Hey everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast from Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to get into God's Word every single day, so we decided to read through the Bible chronologically and talk about it together. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, welcome to God's Whole Story. Today uh, I'm here with Chelsea and we are continuing this push through Exodus. Today we're looking at what's probably like a pretty familiar passage, whether you know a lot about the Bible or not. Uh, This is going to kick off with the Ten Commandments. Uh, The most hilarious thing to me about the Ten Commandments is that there's not actually Ten Commandments. There's actually a ton of commandments, but that's fine. I guess we'll go from there. So, uh, Chelsea, what sticks out to you (laughs) other than the false Um, headings? I mean, the Ten Commandments is the overall thing. And what follows the Ten Commandments is how to live out those Ten Commandments practically. I just I just love that we grew up thinking, like, Moses gave ten rules to the people. Like, actually, he gave a ton of rules to the and people. And they couldn't even follow them. They are pretty <laughs> exhaustive. They were not, like, ten simple rules. Right. Well, like, the important thing to know is that this is now a theocracy. Like, God is ruling over his people and— like he's showing them how to live things out. If they didn't, if they didn't have it spelled out for them, then they wouldn't know what to do, right? That's why we have laws, <laughs> right? And what are most of those laws based on? <laughs> the Ten Commandments that are actually hundreds of commandments. Yeah, I thought you were going to ask me what some laws are, and I like totally drew a blank. I was like, I actually don't know what a law is. No, this is not a pop <laughs> quiz about the laws that you know. I can't think of anything. <laughs> um. So this is why. This is why. Like. With these bunch of rules, um, with like Leviticus that will come in the future here, like anytime there's a lot of rules, what intrigues me is that God is using these rules to give shape to what a holy priesthood nation looks like. Yeah. So like I know that yeah. definitely like growing up, like definitely before I even, you know, like a large part of my Christian life is like, oh, the rules. I was like, no, wait a minute. Like give these rules a shot. Because this is how God is going to tell his people to be a unique people, a God-honoring people, a priesthood nation um, around nations that are not God-honoring priesthood nations. Like, there's a reason that these rules are unique. Um, a lot of them are actually just good ways to live your life. Um, yeah. So there's, there's like, these, these rules that are just actually a good idea. There's actual laws. Um, but it's all to bring, like— a holy nation into focus so that we stand out to people who are not necessarily a God God following people. Right. And these laws, I mean, as you're reading Exodus, think about um, like, how does this apply in our actual lives today? Like you'll see there's like, you can learn about slavery. You can learn about abortion. You can learn about all sorts of things that God covers in these laws. Um, It's actually pretty applicable today. Um, like, and not just, I don't know. It's just, there's lots of principles. We know that all scripture is profitable for teaching. Um, and it's easy to say that until you get to these passages where you're talk, reading about the tabernacle, you know, all day long, every day, or reading about oxen, <laughs> goring people. Uh, it's like, how does that apply to my life? But like you said, these principles of just, how do I love my neighbor? How do I put God first? How do I honor my my mother and father? Like he's laying it out for them. This well, is how I mean, you if do you it. don't, you're going to be put to death. So you better figure out how to do it. For sure. <laughs> hey, uh, one thing I do want to I want to point out there is, um, and I think as we go through God's whole story, it's going to be important to point this out. There are several times in Scripture that there are like outlines about how to have slaves, which should probably strike you as like, wait a minute, like why? 
why is God giving rules about slavery, right? Like that feels very weird. Right. Um, So I think definitely read it, definitely read it, and also understand that my idea of slavery, your idea of slavery has been shaped mostly, if you're listening to this, you know, around Worship Center in the United States by, you know, American slavery, which was very race-based and very ugly. Um, That's not actually what the overarching historical practice of slavery has looked like. Um, So there's, there's a lot in here about how to have slaves. It's not necessarily an endorsement of like everybody go out and buy slaves, but you will notice that God's rules for owning slaves, one, have an expiration date. You're not allowed to actually just own slaves forever. And like, there are a lot of places where it's like, hey, this is when you will release them. You will hold them for this long, and this is when they will leave. And there is an assumption that their lives should be improving. So, and that their lives matter. Like, it's, there's a lot of things in here that are honoring to, they honor slaves. Um, and like you said, that's it's not for forever. They have is it the year of jubilee? Is that the whole it's like a seven thing year with the thing. seventh year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the seventh year they're all released. And so again, really cool. looking at this as a way for a holy priesthood nation to represent God to the world, the world is gonna practice very ugly slavery that has no appreciation for people's lives, that treats people as property. We like we have done that in our own history. Um, the way that God looks at slavery is a way to show, you know, redemption and grace and opportunity. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that is like, hey, we should just all, you know, have this crazy practice of slavery, but definitely pay attention to the way that God is viewing this and how he's pushing people to be compassionate, even in what in their time would have been like a very, fairly cultural practice of slavery. Yeah, definitely. There's still so much to learn, and we're going to get into some, I think, difficult passages as we move through, like, the civil law, the ceremonial law, the tabernacle. This is kind of where people get stuck, I think, reading their Bible. I know I do. Like, when I was reading this passage today, and I was reading about oxen, I was like, oh, boy. Just <laughs> was really tripped up now. by the oxen. I actually I actually read over this. was like, whoa, this is kind of interesting. Guys, I, my challenge to you is to read laws and try to find the heart of God. Like, what is God's heart in these rules, in these laws? And I think if you read it that way, and if you stick to it, you got to stick to it, you'll find that God is incredibly compassionate. Like, you'll find some of these rules. It's like, man, I wish people lived like that today. Yeah. You'll also find some that are like, oh, that's weird. If someone's ox scored somebody else, I wish they would repay people this way. Uh, there's a there's a really interesting line about what to do. Where is it? I would I, hopefully I can like get lucky and find it very quickly. Yep, there it was. Yeah. Look at that. Whoa, that was lucky. Hey, uh, Exodus like the Lord. Exodus twenty one verse thirteen. Um, it's talking about accidents and like accidental deaths, basically manslaughter. Um, Exodus twenty one verse thirteen. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God. I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. I love the appointed by God piece. So in Job, we talked about, and like, it's kind of just become like a tagline that I've used the past couple of weeks. It's like, man, if, if God tells the ostriches where to lay their eggs and the eagles where to land, 
I guess he permits accidents too. I, I mean, I just like there are these little tidbits of God's sovereignty in all situations. I love it. I think it's really cool. Wow. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for listening today. Um, we're going to still get into the law this um, this week in these episodes. And it's exciting. I think there's a lot of things to be gleaned from reading God's word, even though it feels like it's a million years old and there's nothing to be applied. There definitely is. We can learn who God is and what his plans are for us through scripture. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you tomorrow. See ya. Exodus 20, beginning in verse 1. Then God gave the people all these instructions. I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. You must not have any other God but me. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commandments. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. Remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, or any foreigners living among you. For in the six days, God made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Honor your father and mother. Then you will live a long, full life in the land of the Lord your God. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely against your neighbor, you must not covet your neighbor's house, you must not covet your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox or donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. When the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn, and when they saw the flashes of lightning and smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but don't let God speak directly to us or we will die. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them, for God has come in this way to test you so that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. As the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And the Lord said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. You saw for yourselves that I spoke to you from heaven. Remember, you must not make any idols of silver or gold to rival me. Build for me an altar made of the earth. And offer your sacrifices to me, your burnt offerings and peace offerings, your sheep and goats and your cattle. Build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered, and I will come to you and bless you. If you use stones to build my altar, only use natural uncut stones. Do not shape the stones with a tool, for that would make the altar unfit for holy use. And do not approach my altar by going up steps. If you do, someone might look up under your clothing and see your nakedness. These are the regulations you must present to Israel. If you buy a Hebrew slave, he may serve no more than six years. Set him free in the seventh year, and he will owe you nothing for his freedom. If he was single when he became your slave, he shall leave single. But if he was married before he became a slave, then his wife will be freed with him. If his master gave him a wife while he was a slave and they had sons or daughters, then only the man will be free in the seventh year. But his wife and children will still belong to his master." But the slave may declare, I love my master, my wife, and my children. I don't want to go free. If he does this, his master must present him before God. Then his master must take him to the door or doorpost and publicly pierce his ear with an awl. After that, the slave will serve his master for life. 
When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she will not be freed at the end of the six years as men are. If she does not satisfy her owner, he must allow her to be bought back again. If he is not allowed to sell her to foreigners, since he is the one who broke the contract with her. But if the slave's owner arranges for her to marry his son, he may no longer treat her as a slave, but as a daughter. If a man who has married a slave wife takes another wife for himself, he must not neglect the rights of the first wife to food, clothing, and sexual intimacy. If he fails in any of these three obligations to me, leave as a free woman without making any payment. If anyone who assaults or kills another person must be put to death. But if it was simply an accident permitted by God... I will appoint a place of refuge where the slayer can run for safety. However, if someone deliberately kills another person, then the slayer must be dragged even from my altar and be put to death. Anyone who strikes father or mother must be put to death. Kidnappers must be put to death, whether they are caught in possession of their victims or have already sold them as slaves. Anyone who dishonors father or mother must be put to death. Now suppose two men quarrel, and one hits the other with a stone or a fist, and the injured person does not die but is confined to bed. If he is later able to walk outside again, even with a crutch, the assailant will not be punished, but must compensate his victim for lost wages and provide for his full recovery. If a man beats his male or female slave with a club, the slave dies as a result, then the owner must be punished." But if the slave recovers within a day or two, then the owner shall not be punished, since the slave is his property. Now suppose two men are fighting, and in the process they accidentally strike a pregnant woman, so she gives birth prematurely. If no further injury results, the man who struck the woman must pay the amount of compensation to the woman's husband, and the judge approves it. But if there is further injury, the punishment must match the injury, a life for a life, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot, a burn for a burn, a wound for a wound, a bruise for a bruise. If a man hits his male or female slave in the eye and the eye is blinded, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the eye. And if a man knocks out the tooth of his male or female slave, he must let the slave go free to compensate for the tooth. If an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox must be stoned and its flesh may not be eaten. In such a case, however, the owner will not be held liable. But suppose the ox had a reputation for goring and the owner had been informed, but it failed to keep it under control. If the ox then kills someone, it must be stoned and the owner must also be put to death. However, the dead person's relatives may accept payment to compensate for the loss of life. The owner of the ox may redeem his life by paying whatever is demanded. The same regulation applies if an ox scores a boy or a girl. But if the ox scores a slave, either male or female, the animal's owner must pay the slave's owner 30 silver coins and the ox must be stoned. Suppose someone digs or uncovers a pit and fails to cover it, and then an ox or a donkey falls into it. The owner of the pit must pay full compensation to the owner of the animal, but then he gets to keep the dead animal. If someone's ox injures a neighbor's ox and the injured ox dies, then the two owners must sell the live ox and divide the price equally between them. They must also divide the dead animal. But if the ox had a reputation for goring, yet its owner failed to keep it under control, he must pay full compensation, a live ox for the dead one, but he may keep the dead ox. If someone steals an ox or sheep and then kills or sells it, the thief must pay back five oxen for each ox stolen and four sheep for each sheep stolen. If a thief is caught in the act of breaking into a house and is struck and killed in the process, the person who killed the thief is not guilty of murder. But if it happens in daylight, the one who killed the thief is guilty of murder. 
A thief who is caught must pay in full for everything he stole. If he cannot pay, he must be sold as a slave to pay for his theft. If someone steals an ox or a donkey or a sheep and is found in the thief's possession, then the thief must pay double the value of the stolen animal. If an animal is grazing in a field or a vineyard, the owner and the owner lets it stray into someone else's field to graze, then the animal's owner must pay compensation from the rest from the best of his own grain or grapes. If you are burning thorn bushes and the fire gets out of control and spreads into another person's field, destroying the sheaves or the uncut grain or the whole crop, the one who started the fire must pay for the lost crop. Suppose someone leaves money or goods with a neighbor for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house. If the thief is caught, the compensation is double the value of what was stolen. But if the thief is not caught, the neighbor must appear before God who will determine if he stole the property. Suppose there is a dispute between two people who claim to own a particular ox, donkey, sheep, article of clothing, or any lost property. Both parties must come before God, and the person whom God declares guilty must pay double compensation to the other. Now suppose someone leaves a donkey, ox, sheep, or any other animal with a neighbor for safekeeping, but it dies or is injured or taken away, and no one sees what happened. The neighbor must then take an oath in the presence of the Lord. If the Lord confirms that the neighbor did not steal the property, the owner must accept the verdict and no payment will be required. But if the animal was indeed stolen, the guilty person must pay compensation to the owner. If it was torn to pieces by a wild animal, the remains of the carcass must be shown as evidence and no compensation will be required. If someone borrows an animal from a neighbor and is injured or dies when the owner is absent, the person who borrowed it must pay full compensation. But if the owner was present, no compensation is required, and no compensation is required if the animal was rented or for this loss is covered by the rental fee. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, it means a lot to us, even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, if you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, we would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, you can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you, and if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.